Thank you for tuning in to the Verb Church podcast. For more information about Verb Church, you can go to myverb.church. Now, here's Pastor Shane Tarpley with today's message. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 13. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 13. It's where I want to start. And this is our Vision Sunday. So today, if, if you came, it's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be a lot of, of moving parts today. I'm going to show you a lot of exciting things that we're getting ready to do as a church. I'm going to introduce you to a lot of people um, that have become such pillars of, of spiritual guidance and strength in our church. So I hope you have um, brought your seatbelts and ready to buckle in because it is going to be an awesome ride today. So Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 13 says this, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land that he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns that you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. Come on, that's some good news right there. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. When you take an oath, you must use only his name. And I want to jump into um, our next scripture, which is Numbers chapter 13. It's uh, chapter 13 verses 23. Then I'm going to skip over to 25 through 28. Then I'm going to skip over to 30 through 31. It's going to all make sense in just a minute. And it says, When they came to the valley of Eshcol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. I want you to get this image in your mind. I want you to visualize what we're saying, what we're reading about. Because I think a lot of times... When we read scripture, when we sing songs, even when we pray, it's out of routine, it's out of obligation, it's out of just, this is what I've always done, so I'm going to continue to do it. But church, listen to me, if you continue to do what you've always done, you're going to continue to get what you've always gotten. Somebody needs to hear that. It's time for somebody to change today. So they got these big, huge, large grapes on these poles, and they brought them back samples of pomegranates and figs. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community. Now listen to this. It just blows my mind. They are exploring for 40 days. They have seen things that they have never seen before in their life that only God could provide. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit, the evidence was in their hands that they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. Now words from their own mouth, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. And then something goes wrong. Then something changes. I want to stop for a minute and say that if you're a person who gets really paranoid when things almost seem too good to be true, that becomes a spirit of anxiety in your life. And it's time today to get victory over that. 
Because church, we cannot walk in the fear of man. Things are going so good. I wonder when the bad is going to happen. Amen. We cannot be like these people because I'm going to show you something that happened to them. So they have all this physical evidence, not just spiritual evidence, not just a peace from God, not just a thought, not just a discerning manner or discerning spirit that, that God's going to take care of them. But what happens is they actually pick fruit and see things with their own eyes and admit to Moses and everybody that it's a bountiful country and that God is doing something amazing. It says, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. I want to show you a picture. This is the cluster of grapes that took two men to put on a pole to carry out of this land that God said, I'm giving you. God had already promised through Moses, hey, guess what? I'm going to send you in a, into a land. It's going to be the promised land, a land flowing of milk and honey, a land that's bountiful. And the only thing you got to do is trust me and walk in it. Trust me, walk in it, and conquer it. Now, my, my rationale is if I'm one of these men that are carrying this cluster of grapes so great. Now, here's the thing. Like, these were burly men. All right, because I don't know how much this thing weighs, but last time we went to a vineyard or a grocery store, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, right, anybody? Like, Aldi doesn't carry this kind of stuff. I'm just saying. I mean, it's good organic discounted stuff, but it ain't like that. If I'm one of these men, because here's the thing, church, a lot of us, we get into talking about miracles of God and, and the promises of God. And, and our thing is we want to see it to believe it, don't we? We're tangible people. I want to see. We go sit down for an interview, and we don't take good faith in our salary. We want to see the numbers before we commit, right? I mean, that's just the way things go. And a lot of times, we won't trust God all the way until we've seen him work in somebody else's life. And here's the thing. You're looking, you're carrying these grapes that are huge. You're seeing with your own eyes land flowing with milk and honey. But yet you fall into the trap that, man, this must be too good to be true. They got large cities, fortified cities, big walls, and we even saw giants there. These people are too powerful, even though God, who had delivered you out of slavery for 400 years, walked you through, made manna fall from heaven. Now get this, all right? The Israelites have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And some of us, church, we have experienced God in our life in deep, sincere, powerful ways. And we have seen him work miracle after miracle after miracle in our life and other people's lives and things like that. But yet, sometimes the enemy will come to you and whisper, it's too good to be true. You're going to build it so high and then it's going to fall. You're going to walk so far and then you're going to trip. 
You're going to get so far down the road, and then there's going to be something there to cause you to stumble. Something's going to happen. And we live our life in this spirit of anxiety, don't we? I've never seen so much anxiety on a group of people before. Not y'all, I'm just saying as a whole. We walk in the spirit of anxiety, church, and it's time today to get delivered and set free from the anxious thoughts that the enemy is pulling us back in. Because the Bible says be anxious for nothing. So where are we going? What does this mean for us? What does this cluster of grapes have to do with us, church? We're going to a valley with a cluster of grapes where the grapes represent the people, where there are clusters of people because the valley of Eshkol, Eshkol means cluster, the valley of cluster. And we are going to a place where there are clusters of people that are waiting to be carried to the house of God, waiting to be carried to Jesus. We're going to a place where the soil is prepared and ready to be planted. I preached last week about preparing the soil for the seed to go in. Where God has been preparing us for this place for three years. People are coming. Our church is growing. Our teams are growing. Lives are literally being changed. And if you don't believe me, if you're one of these people that says, I need proof of the pudding, let me give it to you. In the past three years, church, keep in mind, please, our church is a whole 36 months old. Our church is a whole three years old. Three years old, okay? Please help me. I want you to understand this when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. Three years old. In three years, we've seen 120 plus salvations. Come on. That ain't football praise, but I'll take it. That's more like, oh, Tiger Woods, great job on that hole. Great job, Bubba Watson. No, come on, 120 plus salvations. There we go. Come on. We have baptized 75 plus people in three years. Yes, come on. We have experienced miracles. Our very own Pijo being completely healed from cancer. Come on now. Come on. Yes, God is doing this thing. We've seen people healed of deadly infections. We've seen families being reconciled, brought back together. Couples nearing divorce, reconciled and healed. Sons and daughters coming back to their homes. And listen to this. In three years, our outreach has given away $24,000 in our community. Yes, we have served and given out 20,000 plus pounds of food. Yes, come on now. I mean, y'all ain't eating that much. <laughs> and here's, here's something amazing. Our serve team, our V team, what we call them, has served in three years a collective total of 95,000 hours. Come on. That's huge. 95,000 hours in three years. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, church. We are just getting started. It hasn't even begun yet. I mean, we're going to see things that we have never even dreamed about. 
We're going to walk in places, walk through doors. We're going to see things that haven't happened, that no one's experienced, that people tell us, Shane, I wouldn't get your hopes up. Guess what? I'm getting my hopes up because my hope is in God. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is not in this world. So church, get your hopes up. And don't let the devil destroy them. Man, I'm hyped up now. For three years, we've seen a seed. We've had a seed and no soil. That's kind of hard when God gives you a seed, a promise, and a word, but nothing to put it in, right? And sometimes, church, all you have is a word from God. All you have is a promise. All you have is a seed that's in your hand that God said, hold on to it. Don't lose it because I'm going to give you something to put it in. And so we're building a legacy. Today, we're going to put our seed in the ground. And we're going to start building a legacy. We're going to build something new. We're going to build something great. That'll be an investment into our kids and their kids. For generations to come. Because this thing is not about us. We're the builders. We're the builders. We're the layers of the foundation. We're the people that get it started. We're the people that hold on to the dream that sometimes feels like we're caught in the pit, that sometimes feels like we're being moved all over the place, that sometimes we may feel like we're even in a prison, entrapped, and I don't know when we're going to get out of this thing. Why can't we get out of this mobile situation, God? You gave me a promise. You gave me a dream. You gave me that seed, and God said, hold on to it. Hold on to it. So I want to encourage somebody who's got a word from God. Maybe there's somebody in your family that needs healing. You've been praying for. Maybe there's somebody who needs to come to Jesus and and experience salvation that you've been praying for. Maybe you need a job. Maybe there's something going on in your family. Maybe you need restoration or reconciliation. And God has given you a word that he's going to do it, but you don't see any evidence of it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it because God's getting ready to put a soil so you can put a seed in it. And we're going to build something so good and so great for our kids. So, Verve, I want to introduce you to your future home. I want to introduce you to the new Verve Church. Come on, slide to that next one so we can get excited. Yeah, come on. Come on. That's where we're going. That's what we're doing. Come on, church. Come on. I need you all to get excited about it. I need you all to get excited about it. Come on. He's going to keep going through those pictures so you can experience it. And as you leave, or when you leave today, we're not closing yet, but when you leave today, we've got back there at our connections area, at our new here station, uh, we've got pictures that you can peruse through, you can look at, um, you can hold them, you can flip them. They're two-sided, so be sure and pick them up, flip them around. Um, We've got all kind of stuff back there for you to look at as far as where we're what we're going to experience. So I'm telling you, Verve, this is exciting. This is exciting because I don't know about you, but we've been mobile for three years and I'm ready to move. (laughs) All the V team said hallelujah. (laughs) So maybe you're new today and, and, and we want to welcome you. Thank you for being part of this with us. But maybe some questions in some people's minds are like, you know, why? Why? I thought you preached for so long that, you know, the church is not about a building. And it's not. It never has been. If it was, we wouldn't be here. 
If it was, we wouldn't be setting all this stuff up and, and, and staying in the school for the past three years and setting up in a parking lot for, you know, a couple of weeks and then being rained out one week and then thinking we're going to another facility and not being able to go there. And then I'm not making this stuff up, y'all. This is really, ha- this is really happening. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I just, I love it because it's so easy to get discouraged when all you've got is a seed but no soil to put it in. It's so easy to get discouraged when God gave you a word that that family member is going to be healed, but you got to walk through all sorts of hell and the enemy's just beating you down. And you're like, God, when are you going to come through? It's so easy to get discouraged. But church, I want to rebuke the spirit of discouragement off of your life today. I want you to pray against it. I want you to stand against it. And when you start feeling that discouragement and that anxiety creeping up on you, I want you to bash out at the devil with everything that God's given you. If you have to yell at him, if you have to scream at him and cry at him, if you have to sing and worship your way out of it, you do what you got to do to get over over it and to get delivered from it because the devil is here to destroy our destiny but God is here to bring us to it so why do we need a space like this because number one it creates community it creates community it creates a stable place for people to come and gather and worship and it creates spaces for our community and our schools to be able to utilize and a space that we don't have to set up and tear down for anyone for hallelujah (laughs) a space that creates growth and not just numerical growth but a space that creates spiritual growth a space that creates time and places and outreach and deliverance and healing, and counseling, and restoration, and reconciliation, and and all of that stuff that being mobile has limited us to. And, And listen, it's not really limited us because we've had things at people's houses. We did house church for about five or six weeks. We've had counselors do counseling sessions in their home, in other places. We've had discipleship. We've, we've used any and all space that's been available to us throughout Carrollton, in Temple, in Villarica, and wherever we can find it. But this creates stability for us. It creates stability for us. I want to read some scripture for you. Now we're going to get into the how, because here's the thing. A lot of people start to ask, okay, what? What are we doing? Well, here's what we're doing. Where are we going? Why do we need it? That's the vision. That's what wakes you up in the morning. But the practical people in the room want to know how we're going to get there. Because see, I'm one of these people that just goes, big vision, let's go. But I love having practical people around me. There's some very practical people around me who go, Shane, we need to know how we're going to do this. We need to know how we're going to get there. I'm married to the most practical person in this room. She goes, yeah, Shane, that's great. I love it, but... Let's figure out the path forward. Because I love, I love vision. The Bible says without a vision, people perish, right? You got to have vision, but you also got to know the steps to get to where you want to go. 
So Acts chapter 4, 32 and 37, and I want you guys to be so excited with me. I want you to feel this that's coming off of me. This is not an emotional excitement. This is a spiritual thing that we've been waiting for. We've been like, uh, what's the, marinating in for three years. So it's time. Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37 says this. All the believers, look at your neighbor say all. All of them. Everybody. Thank you. Everybody. Everybody. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Man, what a concept. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and that God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no, can we get this concept in our minds? There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them, bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field that he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, Exodus 23, 19, the first part of it says that as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first fruit to the house of the Lord your God. So this is how we're going to do it, Verve. I want to take you on a journey for the next 12 months. I want to take you on a journey with me. I would never, you guys know this by now. If you're a guest with us, you're going to know it now. I would never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself or haven't already started doing. When we go into our time of fasting and praying, I've normally already started before you. I would never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I'd never ask you to give or sacrifice anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And here's the thing. It's not about the amount, but I want to take you on a journey for the next 12 months that is going to stretch you and grow you at the same time. Everyone can do something. And here's the thing. I have, I have heard this. I've been a part of these types of campaigns. I've seen them done really, really well. I've seen them done really, really bad. And I want you to understand That it's not about a dollar sign. It's about you and God. But it is going to take all of us to do this together. It is going to take all of us to walk this journey hand in hand together to make the same sacrifices. I'm not asking you to make the the same sacrifice that somebody else is making because you're in a different spot in life. I don't know what what your income level is. I don't know what your spiritual level is. I don't know what your faith level is. But I know that everyone can do something. And I'm simply and humbly asking you to go with us on this journey, to pray first and foremost, and ask God what He would have you to give toward this initiative. This is the Building a Legacy initiative that I'm introducing to you today. And it will require all of us, all of us. Remember what I just read in Acts chapter 4. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything. So I'm asking you to pray and ask God what He would have you to give towards this initiative. And it's going to require all of us to stretch and sacrifice on a level that I don't know where you're at with. 
But I can tell you that Amanda and I are sacrificing. We are doing things to make this possible. We have, I, I joked with our V team a couple of weeks ago, but Amanda and I have started really enjoying going out to eat and, and doing things like that. But we feel that's something in our life that we can sacrifice. And so any time that we would want to go out to eat or whatever, we're just going to take that money and stick in the jar towards this initiative. And maybe you say, Shane, well, I don't really go out to eat. But here's the thing. I told our V team, I said, if you want us to go out to eat with you, we are more than willing, but you're going to have to foot the bill because <laughs> I'm sacrificing. <laughs> I'm sacrificing. Um, and here's the other thing. Um, I, I've taken a second job. I am very fortunate uh, to have you guys be able to, well, let me say it like this. I am very fortunate to be able to do this full time. In case you didn't know, uh, I get to pastor this church full time. Uh, you guys give me a salary and everything. You take very, very good care of me, and I am very appreciative of that. And I, and I love you guys immensely for that. I never take a second of it for granted because I know that there are so many people, and I have worked a bivocational pastoral life for many, many years before God allowed me to move into full-time ministry. So I want to say from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate being able to do this full-time. But as a part of extending my sacrifice and stretching myself in my faith and trust in God, I have also taken a second job that I am subbing basically full-time. Hallelujah. I mean, I've been working for like every day of the week, and God's been providing, and it's been awesome. And I'm telling you that 100% of everything that I get from this sub job, from my second job, is going towards this initiative. And I'm telling you, everybody can do something. Don't let what somebody else, what you think somebody else is doing, or what you think your bills look like, or what you think your current circumstances is. Here's the thing. If we want to do this together, we got to find a, a way to make it work. And we got to do it together. And we got to go on this journey, everybody. And there's some families that aren't here, they're on vacation, and that's fine. We're going to put a, a social media um, blurb out. But everyone can do something. Other people are giving up home improvements that I've heard about. Other people are giving up vehicles. So the question that I want to ask you is, what can you sacrifice to invest in the future of your children and your grandchildren and their children and their children. Because, Verve, I don't plan for this just to be over and done, a one and done. This is for generations upon generations. And one day, I'll be too old to pastor, and I'll retire, and someone will take my spot. And I will expect them to continue this legacy. Because church, if we're one generation deep, we're already dead. If we're one generation deep, we're already dead. That's why we promote V-Kids. That's why our youth group is going to do something amazing. They're going to start. And, and that's why we have young people up on this stage. That's why we have young people serving. I don't know if you saw our Instagram post, but we had Nevea. She was working lights last week before service. And the girl figured out how to change the colors. I'm telling you, we cannot be one generation deep. We have got to be multi-generational. We've got to be multicultural. And we've got to accept everyone into this seat, into the seat beside you. Because here's the thing. If 
a church can't be for those who are hurting and broken, then what are we doing? We can go have holy huddles somewhere else. I'm not looking to have a holy huddle. There's nothing against other churches. They do their thing. We do ours. But here's, here's my thing. At the end of the day, if every single person in our church is saved, you would think we're doing a great job, but we're not. Because that means that lost people don't have a place here. So my thing, church, my thing is for the lost people to outnumber the saved people. They need to be brought in. And it's up to you to bring them. We can post cute stuff on social media all the time. We can have the best websites. Our, our production team can make the best audio and video recordings on YouTube. But guess what? That ain't going to bring them in. It's one of you and each of you that have had a life change experience. And I hope that when you go on this journey, the moment you start, that you're going to see a life changing experience happening right before your eyes. So in your seats, you have a giving card, a building a legacy initiative card. And I don't want you to turn this in now. This is not for today. In a couple weeks, October the 4th, I'm going to ask you to bring this card in. So in those two weeks, I want you to take this home. I want you to fast about it. I want you to pray about it. I want you to wrestle with God about it. I want you to defeat every anxious thought the enemy is trying to put in your mind. And I want you to ask God, God, here's the thing. I want to know what you can do with me and through me. God, I want to know what can you do with me and through me. And so I want you to fill this out. You can see um, this card actually says that we need to raise 125000 which is fine. It's great. Uh, we actually only need to raise 90000 to be able to break ground. And so let me kind of give you a, a broad spectrum as you're looking at these numbers. So the total cost of the building is around 625000 or 600000 something like that. The total cost with the land, so after we get the building built, we're going to want to consolidate the land loan and the building loan. And so the total cost for that is going to be a whopping $800,000. And I know that sounds like, man, that is huge. And you're looking around and going, listen, but God's done more with less people. Come on. God reduced Gideon's army from about 30,000 well-trained warriors to about 300 men who just said, Gideon, we'll go with you all the way to the end. And they won. So, size of the church doesn't really matter. It's the size of the faith in God. And can I tell you, church, I believe in us. I believe that we can do it. I know that we can do it. It's going to take stretching. It's going to take, there may be some times where you're just like, you're, you're going to, it's time for you to give. You know, if you set up like a monthly thing or, or a weekly thing, um, extra giving for this, and you're like, oh my goodness, I could really use this. Listen, I, I don't want to manipulate you, but I want to tell you that giving is about total, teetotal trust in God. Giving is about total trust in God. And so, I want you to pray about this. I want you to look at this. Um, we've already got blueprints drawn up, as you can see from the pictures. 
We've already got plans. We've got schematics. Um, we've had the soil testing done. We've had EPA certificates, um, fire hydrant stuff. We've been um, passed through the city planning and zoning and the city council. We've gone through all of those types of initial planning. We've done that all, and it's cost us about 30-something thousand dollars already out of pocket. So I want to tell you, Verve, that we're not asking you to do something that we wouldn't do. We've already invested in this vision. I'm just asking you to go with us. We're going there, whether you are or not, but we're going there, and I want you to be a part of it because when you stand in this sanctuary 10 years from now, And one of these V kids is now grown up to be a teenager. And they've given their life to God. And they're turning their school upside down. And they're doing radical things for God. You can stand back and say, I was a part of that. I invested in that. I helped make that happen. God through you. God through you. Here's a scripture for you. The Bible says that Christ in you is the what? The hope of glory. Christ in you, not Christ in a building, not Christ in music, not Christ in a, a cute sermon or whatever. It's Christ in you. Church is going to take all of us together to make this thing happen. And I believe that we can do it. And so as if all of this wasn't enough, we are also going to give you a, a little incentive just for turning in your commitment card. It doesn't matter what the amount is. Please don't hear that when you leave. What matters is between you and God. So as a little incentive to bring your card back, filled out, committed to this initiative, we're going to give everybody a free t-shirt that you can wear around. And when your coworkers or your family or whomever looks at this and goes, what's building a legacy? What's Verve Church? I hope that you can be able to tell them everything that's going on. Everything. I want you to wear these shirts out. Wear holes in them. Wear them till they stank. If, if you wear your shirt out, we'll get you another one. Wear it every day you go to work. Wear it every day at school. Wear it. I'm just telling you. Wear it, wear it, wear it. And so finally when somebody goes, man, you wear that shirt every day for the past three weeks. What is that? Well, first of all, I hope you've watched it. But second of all, tell them what it's about. Tell them what building a legacy is all about. And I want to tell you a couple things. Some confirmations to all of this vision. Because here, that's my thing. Like the see it to believe it. I, need, I, I, I want God a lot of times to confirm things before I step out. Because this right here is a massive dream and vision to lead a church through if God's not in it. Amen? Planting a church is not a successful business strategy. It is a God-sized dream that only He can accomplish. And so, on our first Sunday of vision, I think the church was probably about three to six months old, somewhere like that, maybe a little bit older. But I began to talk about a vision that God had had in my heart. And at this time, I had not gotten an opportunity to really know a whole lot of uh, newer people that had been coming to the church. I just knew the team. And so there was someone 
who had, you know, just recently kind of joined the team and and she brought some friends with her and they were re- uh, really, really new. And I started to kind of unpack this big vision that I had had for our church to not just be a church, but to be a church for a community, to not just be a building, but to be a community center and to talk about all of the things that I saw in this. And one of them was opening up a coffee shop in our church or in our community that our church would be a part of. And so as I began to talk about this, um, service ended, and I thought, man, I hope people got something from it. Well, Deidre sends me a text with a picture of Hailey writing in her journal or reading her journal or something to where I don't know how long it had been before we planted the church, but Hailey had had the same vision and dream of opening up a coffee shop in Temple. And I thought, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so I got really excited. I was like, okay, God, you're doing it. You're confirming things. And so we're moving towards that. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I can tell you it's going to happen because you don't have confirmation and vision like that and not move towards it. And so then um, Amanda and I met Cindy and Stacy at a, a barbecue fundraiser the rec was having. And um, she said, hey, do you know a lady by the name of so-and-so? Does that mean anything to you? And I was like, no, not really. I don't think I know her. And she said, well, I don't really think she knows you either. But we ran into this lady, and, and Cindy and Stacy know her from previous churches. And she said that she's been having dreams for the past three For the past three years, about a guy named Shane Tarpley. And I thought, okay, first of all, that's weird for other women to be having dreams about me. They don't even know me. Amanda's not seen her picture yet, so I just kidding. So there's no no bounty out for her. I'm just kidding. But she was like, who is this guy? And they were like, well, that's our pastor. And she said, well, I don't know why. But for the past three years, I've been dreaming and praying about this man. And she has no idea what's been going on. She doesn't know us. But God's been confirming things about what we're doing and about where we're going, church. So I said earlier that this is a 12-month commitment. So I want you to think about when you fill out your giving initiative cards and you bring it back, what can you do in 12 months? And there's, there's some measurements on the back of that card. So you can just kind of see, like if you gave, you know, an extra $25 a month, here's what it would turn into in 12 months, or $100, or, you know, $500, or 1000 or whatever. It's just... It's not about the amount, it's about your heart. Giving has always been about the heart. And so I'm asking you to go with us on this 12-month commitment. Because now is the time, and this is the place. Jake told us last week that he used to attend a church called Venue up in Tennessee. And when he looked up the definition, or they, they announced the definition, the first definition is a place where Anything can happen, right? A place where something happens. 
And then Jake looked up the second definition of venue, and it's a place where anything is possible. Is that right? So guys, we are in a place right now where things happen. And we are in a place where anything is possible. Don't limit God. God brought us to this place for such a time as this. If for nothing else, to stir up our faith in Him and say, anything is possible when you trust me. Anything. You are in a place. You are in a place where things are going to happen. Our key verse, our, our vision verse for our entire church for the past three years has been Amos 9.14 in the message translation, which basically says that things are going to happen so fast, one thing on the heels of the next, that it will happen so fast that it will literally make your head spin. I don't know about you, Verb, but my head is spinning because God's doing some amazing things. So last but not least, who can be involved in this? Well, definitely you and I. Your neighbors. Get them on board. Bring them to church. Let them be a part of this. Let them experience this. Businesses. You know people that need a tax write-off. Come on, ask them. Don't be afraid. Ask them to donate. Ask them to be a part of this. Share the vision. Don't just ask them to give money. Share the vision. Other churches. Investors. Several weeks ago, we started this initiative with a, a small group of people, mainly our leaders in the church. And then we expanded it a couple weeks from then, uh, from then to our uh, V team, which was uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. And we asked them to do the same thing before we ask any of you guys to. We asked them to fill out the connect card, fill out the initiative card turn it in. And so today, I want to share with you what our total commitment for our cards are right now. This is our total commitment that's been committed right now over the past or or, over the next 12 months. So I want you to understand that when you see this number, This is a 12-month committed number out of a small group of people of probably about 25 to 30 already, all right? And so, guys, can we show this, what we have committed so far? Whoa, come on! $33,530 already! Church, we are a third of the way there. We are a third of the way there. Come on. I said all we need is 90,000. We got 33 committed. Come on. So the question is, what can God do through you? What can God do through you? Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Verb Church Podcast. We would love to help you take your next steps. If you made a decision to follow Christ would like to be baptized or are ready to connect with us, head over to myverb.church forward slash next steps and fill out our digital connect card. Our team will follow up and help you guide you on your journey with Christ.